and welcome to the third episode of The Full Life. This is the show that's all about living life in abundance as God intends us to do. We have such a huge jam-packed show that I'm going to leave it there and welcome the panel back in. Welcome. You know them. You love them. Here is, I'm going to start with Hank today out of Pennsylvania. Welcome back, Hank. Hey, everyone. Good to be with you. And out of California, we have Jenny Stavali. Howdy doody. Looking forward to episode three. I love this. We're getting we're we're getting on a roll here. I love it. And then Carolyn and Pankella out of Florida. Hello, everybody. Ready for a great day today. It's gonna to be a great topic, Joseph. Well, speaking of a great day, last week we introduced the topic of mana moments. And it's just a way for us to acknowledge those moments of grace that God drops into our lives, changes our weeks, and we need to make sure that we keep our eyes focused on that. That's what we talked about last week. Carolyn brought out her blessing book so she could write those down. But as a faith-sharing group here on this show, we want to talk about them here. So anyone have a moment from this week they want to share? Let's see. Uh, Hank, I'm going to start with you this week. Sure, I'll do a quick one. Um, so our church on Fridays used to get bread from Panera that they just throw away and we give it out to the community. Well, not having churches on Sunday, we've had to be creative of how to give away the bread. And one of my neighbors has a mother who only speaks um, Spanish and I only speak English and Spanish really terribly. So um, the last week, it was really, really funny trying to explain to her in Spanish why I was giving her the bread. And finally, she just said, thank you. And we were both shocked when the English came out. Um, but it was just this really, really sweet moment where, you know, she was able to not just only express gratitude, but I think she really appreciated me trying to speak Spanish more than I appreciated me trying to speak Spanish. So it was this little moment of just how, you know, um, we could be separated by language, but heart and love and God can still unite us. So for me, that was a really cool man moment. I love your moment, Hank. They're so uh, they're, they're the little things that really remind us that we have to see those too, as well as the big ones. Um, Jenny, well, I definitely had some little things compared to last week getting you know that random check. No more bread in the mail. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, the literal bread in the mail. But you know, it was those little things this week um, that I've noticed from the beginning of this whole lockdown. Like you know, not running out of toilet paper. Like as soon as we needed an, a, a roll, we were able to find it. And we I walked into a Walgreens; they had just stocked it. Things like that have been happening. And about a week ago, I had to go to my bank um, and like to go in and talk to a. a, a a banker. And when I got there, it said, you need an appointment. And I oh, walked in anyway. And the, the guy I normally meet with was available. And I sat down with him and he said, so how did you know we opened today? I said, excuse me? He said, we've been closed for two months. We just opened today. How did you know to come here? I went, oh, I, I didn't. I just needed to go to the bank. <laughs> and it was open. And then that same thing happens. It's going to sound silly, but like it was my husband Brian's birthday this week, and there were some things I really wanted to get at Trader Joe's. And I haven't been to Trader Joe's in two months because the line, I don't know if you guys have had this, but the line is like 30 minutes long. And it was silly. It was like, God, I would just love to be able to go in there kind of thing, you know, just a little thing. And I actually heard, go there, just go there. And I drove up and I had a short window of time because I had company uh, coming. And so anyway, I pulled up and seriously, there was no line. I walked right in and the guy even said to me, we have not had like a no line since for, for since the lockdown started. And I, I just feel like that is such a perfect example in our lives of 
when we trust in the Lord with all of our heart, we lean not on our own understandings. We see that always as a spiritual thing. But if we acknowledge him in all of our ways, even going to the bank and the grocery store, needing toilet paper, acknowledge him in all our ways, he'll direct our steps going to those little things. And so I love those little reminders. They build our faith for the big moments. Those are the best moments when you get right in the line. Carolyn. I love, I, Jenny, I so appreciate that you guys say that because we always think these, I, you, I know you call them manna moments. I call them the but God moments. We always think they're the big things, but right. sometimes they are the little things. You know, it's the little moments that you get that conversation with your child that you haven't been trying to have, but you didn't know how to have it. It's, you know, my husband, little things, you know, when one of his companies, he owns a landscaping tree company and finding, you know, guys to work sometimes can be a challenge. And, um, cause it's a hard, tough job and you, they've got to know what they're doing. And I mean, we'll just go to praying. I, I mean, I don't know if anybody's going through something today that you're like, God, I see no hope, but God. And, you know, that's what we did. We just went to pray and go, God, you see the need. You see what's setting before us. And before you know it, he's picked up the phone, called a guy. And the guy says, oh, I've got another guy. They come. They both love the Lord. They're hard workers. And my husband and I looked at each other and said, that's no coincidence. And I don't yeah. know, Jenny, I know you probably know this. In Hebrew, there's no word that translates for coincidence. Yes, you know it. It's so there's true. no yes. word. And it's, it's not good for us Right, right. And I love that because it lets us know God cares about the big. He cares about the small. He's in it all if we'll just trust him and surrender. And maybe it won't look like we want it to, but if we'll trust him, it's going to look better. Love that. Well, I have one for you right on that note there, uh, Carolyn, because I was having trouble finishing. We're trying to refinance and we're, I was having trouble with this home equity line and they, I had, was going to have to reduce it. And I didn't understand why. And we weren't getting through to the bank because everyone's calling. Uh, and uh, finally, I said, well, if I can't call and the lender can't call, I'll just email and see what I get. Well, I got, I got a direct line to someone. I called her. She said, two days ago it was, this is the last day or else we're going to close your account. I said, oh, well... Okay, tell me why this is. Pro they were using old information that, that was outdated by five years. So I was able to get them some updated information, but it still wasn't in their accepted window. And we had 24 hours to go. Well, we all know that banks don't usually work that fast or deal with in the gray. They don't deal that well in the gray with banks. But I'm happy to say that it all went through even after the expiration and we didn't have to put any limits on the home equity line. So I did get some bread this week. So it was a good moment. Good man a moment. Awesome. Also last week, we spoke about the church becoming the church of action beyond our walls, especially because so many of us can't meet within those walls now. Here on The Full Life, we want to acknowledge those individuals, Christian organizations, and churches that are going that extra mile and really becoming the church of action. So today I was able to sit, uh, sit down with a nurse on the front lines of the COVID-19 pandemic. She's been there for months and uh, she just had such a beautiful story of how to, how to keep her faith and how to really touch patients' lives in this time. So take a look. First of all, thank you for joining me and how are you? <laughs> Well, under the circumstances, I'm doing okay. Thank you. And thank you for having me. 
Well, I appreciate getting the firsthand perspective of people on the front lines because you know you hear so much about it, but it's really interesting to me to be to kind of get inside your head and say, you know, when you've always been on the front lines of treating patients, but when you have to go in and face you know, something that you don't really understand and potentially see some suffering like this. How, how do you prepare for that? Or how do you get it? How do you get ready for that? <laughs> it's quite difficult to be in the front line, especially in the beginning of this pandemic. Uh, we were trying to figure out how to provide the proper medical care for these mm -hmm. patients, how to treat the virus, what medication we should give. There's uh, so much uncertainty to this diagnosis. And of course, with that, I do see a lot of suffering, but I also witness very, very sick patients who gets better and is able to be discharged home. And that's very rewarding. Did, or did you or any of your other health, uh, healthcare workers have any sort of uh, fear or concern going into this originally? Especially yes. when we didn't know much at all, yeah. Yes, definitely fear. Definitely. There was even fear of us bringing it home to the family, fear of how to deal with it. But it's part of our job. Um, this is why we went into nursing, why we went into the medical field. So yes, we just have to deal with it and we have to forge forward. Practically speaking or mentally, how, what have the challenges been that you guys have had to face through this whole process? Oh, we had many challenges we had to face, uh, especially in New Jersey. Uh, we had high numbers of cases of COVID-19, second only to New York. Uh, so the, the challenge, one of the challenges that we face is that we have a shortage of PPE, of uh, personal protective equipment. Uh, there's a shortage of isolation gowns, of N95 masks. And this obviously protects the workers and the patients. Um, and unfortunately, that problem still exists up to today. Um, the mental challenge is a little bit more difficult to deal with. Um, in April, in the height of the pandemic, at the time, it was unfortunate. Many of the patients were unable to overcome the disease. I pro As you probably saw in the news, there was so many numbers of death, it was staggering. Mm. Um, I could truly say that that was one of the most difficult times of my life. But um, luckily the curve went down and that was tolerable and we, uh, we can control it a little better. I would imagine that you had to take on, uh, with them being in isolation, did you have to take on a, a support system sort of role because they didn't have loved ones around them? Oh, oh, well, you know, nurses were always the liaison between patients and their loved ones. So in that aspect, I don't think my role changed that much. However, uh, I am now required to be a support system more than ever before. Uh, I need to call the family members often and update them with the conditions of their loved ones. My hospital actually purchased iPads so that uh, my patients can FaceTime their family members. So that's pretty cool. The nurses adapt. That's what we've yes. always hear. Yes. Um, you've also been isolating at home. 
how has that been going for you guys? Yes, unfortunately, I have to isolate myself from the rest of the family. I'm very high risk to them. I take care of COVID positive patients every day when I do go to work. So I quarantine myself. I quarantine myself and started in February. Um, when I'm off from work, I stay in the guest room for the majority of the day. Unfortunately, I have a bathroom to myself. Uh, the, so I don't have to uh, share that with the rest of the family, which is suggested by CDC. The most difficult part about the quarantine is not being able to hug your loved ones. Mm. Um, I can't. I can't kiss my kids when I come in. Kiss them in the cheek when I when I come into the house. I can't hug my husband. Um, but like I said, it's tolerable. And we do what we have to do, and it's only temporary. Well, in all this uncertainty, uh, at least temporarily, how have you been able to, especially in those, you know, the April moments, how have you been able to walk through and keep some faith through that all? I keep my faith strong with lots of prayers. Um, I actually work in a Catholic hospital. There's a priest there that when I see him in the hallway, uh, we stop. We bow our heads, we pray. He prays for me, my colleagues, my patients. His prayers are so uplifting and it helps me get through the day. So that's always nice. And finally, the show is called The Full Life. Um, and we uh, always strive to give the viewers, the, hopefully the chance to live life to the fullest every day as God wants us without fear, even though we have limitations now. So how, uh, how have you been able to do that? And, and what would you say to people about that? I take it day by day. <laughs> I try to live life to the fullest. I don't take things for granted. I am very grateful for my support system, both at home and at work. And I am so grateful to God for allowing me to be able to work in the front lines with all my wonderful patients. I, I truly feel that I am blessed. Thanks again to Josie Sanchez. You are truly demonstrating God's care and compassion for those most vulnerable among us. We want to celebrate those organizations, like I said. So if you know people, you know organizations, you know churches that are out there becoming the church of action, we want to talk to you. We want to say thank you because this is what we're called to do, especially in this time. So we want to acknowledge you right here on the show. So get on the Facebook, the Instagram, the YouTube, the Twitter, we're everywhere. We want to hear from you. And now for today's topic. I couldn't be more excited about this topic. Uh, I'm in the thick of it. I have four kids under five. <laughs> so I raising godly kids is uh, a, a topic near and dear to my heart because I'm working hard on it right now. But I know we have a whole panel of some dynamic parents raising some faith-filled kids. So I can't wait to see what they have to say. And we have a special guest who I could not be more excited about. She is an international speaker, minister, and musician who has been working for decades and I've known her for a long time. And she's a dear friend. Of, of me and my family. And I'm gonna get the numbers right here. She has 16 with their spouses, 16 kids, 22 grandkids, and six, six great grandkids. 
So I think she knows a little something about parenting. Please welcome Sharon Harrison. <laughs> Thank you, Joseph. <laughs> it does seem like a lot, doesn't it? But it's such a blessing. And uh, the scripture says that uh, children are the heritage of the Lord and uh, from the Lord. And, it, and it's kind of like it just doesn't happen. But for us who are believers, it is a blessing of the Lord. And uh, when I think about how he even calls us by name when we're yet in our mother's womb. And mm -hmm. for a lot of people, that, that, that's got to hold a lot of meaning because we go through such a time of uh, re times throughout life that you're going through rejection and, and you're not sure the path that you're on. And yet if you just stop and think, God, the creator of our universe, he called us by name when we were yet in our mother's womb. That's surely blessing. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it is. It's that is, yeah. We don't always think about that. I think, and we know that every child has been called uh, to our lives, and I think that is really keeping me through because I can say that I have been given this responsibility and this call to do, and so I am going to do it and say yes to the Lord. Well, I want to know what you guys think. How are you guys, uh, how have you approached teaching your kids about God? And let's start with a uh, uh, consummate parent, uh, Sharon. How did you do it? Well, I think the best thing and the only way really is that you do it by example. And um, you can teach them about how to pray. You can teach them how about God's word. It's the simplest of scriptures. And just the simplest of prayers. Our uh, one of our um, grandsons, he's five, and he does the Lord's prayer. When he first started saying it, he wouldn't get all the words quite right. But his heart was so pure; it was just beautiful. And uh, setting an example: if your kids see you praying, they're going to pray. If your kids see you in the Word of God, they're going to start reading the Word also. I can acknowledge in my own experience that starting them praying early has really, I think, changed their life. Because even if they can't say it or know what it is at first, by, by the time they can, it's become so ingrained with them now that, the, that it's just part of them. Carolyn, what about you? Oh, I loved hearing Sharon say that because that's, that is one of the biggest thing. I, I Leading by example, because what do people say? You know, I, I can't hear you because your actions are speaking so loud. And I, I think that is the same thing. It's funny. It, we were doing this whole talk today because today I've been putting my whole theology to test because uh, we've been extremely stressed out in this house. We've got so much, you know, we've got so many businesses, we've got, you know, kids and their graduations and uh, my daughter's sixth grade. She's saying goodbye to her teachers. I mean, it's just everywhere. And I found myself just like, ah, and uh, I actually looked at my kids and said, here is my chance to show you guys how to live out my faith in a stressful moment. And I think I'm failing. And, uh, you know, it to me, the example was showing that maybe we're not perfect. Maybe mm. we are human and maybe we all need to call on Jesus. But I think the answer was that you need to be willing to acknowledge 
that you're wrong and that you're weak sometimes and to say you're sorry. And so I'm hoping they they got something out of my mess today. But, um, you know, I think that leading by example, the other thing I think I said the other day is I think consistency. I think consistency is one of the major things in raising children. It's every day being consistent with what you say and your follow through and who you are. It's just that consistency. And the other thing is I think you have to be intentionally on purpose um, with raising your kids. It's like you have to set out with the end in mind of what you want that to look like. And every day, every moment, you've got to be working on that, pouring it into your kids, who they are in Christ, who Christ is to them, that life's going to bring challenges, but this is how we handle it. God's got a plan for your life. Stay in the word. I mean, it's just being intentional, especially in these day and ages when you have so much pouring at us. I mean, some... You've got the TV saying one thing and music saying another. And then we're coming with the word of God, who is a lot of times completely contradictive to everything that they're seeing and hearing on TV and in music. And so I feel like what God is teaching us right now is let's teach the children to find out who they are in Christ and not to look for man's approval, but to look for God's approval. And because the truth is, when you look at all these people's lives, some of them are so miserable. You've got divorce rate at all time high. You've got suicides, depression. You've got alcoholism. Um, all these people who are seeking it in the world, but they're not finding it because there is no peace. There is no self-esteem. There is no self-worth outside of Christ. And so, um, you know, that's what I hope that we're pouring into our children mm. is just who you are in Christ. I can I can second the uh, uh, pouring into their who they are and who they're meant to be. Every night we pray that God helps them become the special people they're supposed to be. Uh, and I think that they've now again it's just in there now. I got it stuck there somewhere. <laughs> uh, Hank, I know that you you've tried to be intentional as well with your kids. Definitely see the Holy Spirit working even in our conversation. But one of the verses I had on my heart, it's just that reminder, Peter calls Jesus our example. Um, in the letter to the Corinthians, Paul makes this bold statement where he says, hey, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Um, one of the things that we've learned is that there's more caught than taught and that your kids are always watching. Our daughters are very young. They're six and four. So for us, one of the things that we've had to be intentional about is, you know, what are the values that we have? Who is Jesus? How do we display Jesus? Um, so for example, loving our neighbor. So that is something that we don't just do as adults, we do as kids. You know, like this afternoon, our food pantry needed um, laundry detergent. So I put the girls in the car, even though they're six and four, we drove around to buy laundry detergent for the food pantry. Um, my wife actually started that a couple of years ago with Christmas presents. You know, she takes them Christmas shopping for other kids. So for us, again, it's all about imitate me as I imitate Christ. And then I would say finally on the personal growth side, uh, there's a beautiful Henry Nowen story. Henry Nowen was, you know, giving a talk after a book study and a parent comes up with a teenage son and she's frustrated and just over the moon. She doesn't know what to do. And she says, hey, I hear all these beautiful things you're saying about God. I hear all these beautiful things you're saying about God being a, a perfect parent. Well, I'm not. And I just don't know what to do. I'm just, I got nothing. Mm. 
And now when, you know, listen to her and after she was done, he just said quietly to her in his own Henry now and way, you know, the greatest gift you can give your child is to be a growing person yourself. Uh, and I was first introduced to that story before I had kids when I was a teenager and it's always stuck with me. So one of the things I had before children and, and even before ministry was I wanted that to be one of my goals, you know, not that I'll ever know everything, but that I wanted to be a growing person. And so I've adapted that and we've kind of taken that into our parenting as well. You know, the greatest gift we can give our kids is Jesus, you know, but scripture says, you know, the spirit convicts, you know, Jesus did the work and the father saves. So I can't necessarily save my children, right? Um, but I can give them that gift of being a growing person myself. And that's what we want to do. We want to show them Jesus as best we can. And we want to grow with them. You know, we're all figuring this out together. And the Holy Spirit's in all of us and working through us. I love that. Because I've had to uh, admit that I have to grow as they grow. <laughs> yep. um, I buried the lead before, but surprise, one of Sharon's children is our very own Jenny, who I'm going <laughs> to talk to now. Do we look alike? When you put us side by side, do we look alike? Yeah. 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 Most I see it. I see it. I, I definitely saw it. Yeah. When she was in. Uh, most people don't think that. Someone took a picture. We were standing sideways, and our our facial lines were exact, and the way we were holding our hands were exact. Wow! <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll have to get into like, some like some juicy Jenny stories later, but we'll talk <laughs> Jenny about your experience as a parent yourself right now first. Well, I love what Carolyn, what you said about being intentional. I think that is the key with parenting: is not just figuring out as you well. Okay. We do figure it out a bit as we go, but in the midst of that, being intentional, being willing to obviously make mistakes, we're going to make mistakes. And I mean, there's all those times I'm sure other parents have said, oh gosh, I hope my kids don't end up in therapy <laughs> you know, because of this. We're going to mess up. But when we balance and we really think through our intentionality um, about how you know, we approach things, even like if we make a mistake, if we're willing to say, if there's something, maybe we got mad and we shouldn't have gotten mad. Maybe we yelled to go back and say, you know what? I should not have acted that way. I'm sorry. Because I think that's important as a parent for kids to see, like when we blow up, it's important for us to say, Hey, that's actually not okay. Behavior. Um, blowing up like that. You know, we talk to our kids a lot about being, um, not being emotionally driven, not allowing their emotions to control them, but them to control their emotions. We are a house full of artists. So that's a big one. Do not let your emotions control you. You need to control your emotions. The other one, though, I learned from my parents, which I just love, is that my mom and dad very intentionally chose to not call us bad. You know, the words that we use carry so much power. And I think I mentioned that maybe on another episode. But we really, our words, what we attach with our words are so powerful. And I don't think people always realize the power of their words. So my parents would never say you are bad. They'd never say you're naughty. Even if we were being behaving bad, they'd say your behavior is bad. No, 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 no. Your behavior is bad. You're not bad. And even when my kids have um, maybe messed up and said, I'm sorry, I'm bad or I'm stupid. I always come in, even if they're being disciplined. Hey, you don't say that. First of all, you are not stupid you are brilliant. You're just not like if their grades aren't, don't, you know, if they're not doing good in school, you're brilliant. You're behaving below the standard that I know you're capable of. 
And you know, you're not bad. You are such a great kid. And I'm just disappointed because you're behaving in a way that I know you're not. It's counter to who you are. And so you're constantly intentionally adding praise to them. And then the other thing about intentionality, you know, when my parents disciplined me, of course, discipline, uh, we were not without. My parents believe very firmly in the scripture about beating them with the rod, even though we were not beaten and it wasn't a rod, we were spanked. And I know it's, it's like, that's bad words nowadays. People consider that abuse. But really, my parents made sure we understood this was not abuse. My father was the one in charge of the spanking, usually. He would never spank us angry. Now, that is a hard feat when you are a parent that spanks to be like, no, we're not going to do this when I'm angry. It's hard when you become a parent to spank when you're calm. But my dad would say, I never want you to associate anger and discipline. Discipline is love. Anger is emotions. I will not let you disassociate or, you know, associate the two. So you're going to go to your room and you're going to sit and wait until I'm calm. I remember you. I remember you telling me that story about your dad. And it's something that I've taken too into my, into my family. I mean, I have to not, uh, did the discipline with anger. I thought it was such a terrific lesson and I've, I have taken it into my family as well. Um, Sharon, is, are, are there verses in the Bible or, or is there sort of a philosophy that you developed from the Bible, you know, that have helped you in your parenting, you know, techniques over the years? Well, I think that we had brought up the verse the other day was to train up a child in the way that he should go and he won't turn around when he gets older. And mm -hmm. it doesn't say ways, it says way that he should go and he's not gonna turn. But also from uh, the Bible, we're gonna, if we're gonna look on uh, upon that book being our guideline, is that the guidelines in the Bible also expect us to correct our children. Mm -hmm. And your correction can be one way or another. That one, there is a verse in there that says you should beat them in, with a rod and they won't die. And I'm not sure that would go on nowadays. But you know, anything that the child knows that what they just had done was not correct. Uh, so maybe you should just have a little time of uh, time out. Now that's not sending him or her to his room where all the toys are so he could play because he's probably only going to do that more and more. Um, so um, when, when you really want a guideline, I often would just step back and say, what would Jesus do in this mm -hmm. situation? Because he, he's the father of all fathers and he can guide us the way in what we should go. And he can show us what our responsibilities are so we can teach our children what their responsibilities are. I used to think of how I'd say, okay, even, even myself growing up, my mom always expected us to have the table set before dad got home. And with the kids, with the girls, I'd say, okay, you got to set the table. Sometimes the forks would be on the wrong side, but it was a matter of here is your responsibility, fulfill it so that as you grow, you're going to be able to handle more in, uh, responsibilities and, and be accountable for them. And I think the faith is very similar to that. You know, it, as you get a little bit more, you can grow a little bit more, grow a little bit more. So you, it's, it works on a very similar pattern, I think. Um, anyone else? Do you have, have you relied on verses or, or, or guide any resources? that you've had. Carolyn, I believe you've had some really good resources for your parenting. 
Well, I'll tell you, there's been some great books that we've we've read and listened to. Um, one was To Train Up a Child. Uh, it's by Michael and Debbie Pearl. When you, if you listen to it or whatever, the guy's going to sound a little uh, monotonous, but I'll tell you what he taught was consistency. If you tell your child one time, you shouldn't let them take you up six million notches. It should be one time calmly. You know, mommy said it. This is it. We're going to move on. And that's one thing I got from that. The other one is shepherding a child's heart. I'm sure everybody has read that book. That book, I think I've read three times because it teaches you to when you're uh, correcting the child is to go to the heart issue and not just the action. Hmm. And Jenny, I know you have some added insight into a training up a child. What did God mean by that? Well, as the pastor of a Hebrew roots church and someone that lived in Israel for a few years, I, of course, have to bring in the Hebrew perspective of this. But I loved this one because, uh, you know, that verse, train up a child in the way they shall go, is something that's, you know, most parents know the scripture. It's the one we stand on. And I would get frustrated sometimes as a pastor because people would come to me and say, you know, I believe in that scripture, but it's not working or, you know, and my advice, you know, just hang in there, mom, or, you know, or dad. But really what transformed things for me as a pastor to be able to encourage parents is what I learned living in Israel, which was a, a rabbi came to our, our home once and we were talking and uh, the scripture came up and he said to me, he actually gave me the literal translation. He said, you know what that verse literally translates to? And I looked this up to make sure. They said it literally translates to train up a child in the opening of their mouth. Okay, so train up in the, a child in the way they should go. The, the, the word, therefore, they should go, the way they should go is this word pay. All right, we're actually in the Hebrew year right now, according to the Hebrew calendar of pay, the mouth. Raise up a child in the opening of their mouth, and when they're old, they won't depart. Well, what in the world does, does that mean? And literally what that is speaking about is that when a baby was born in Israel, there was always a midwife present. And when that baby was born, the midwife would take an olive, and they'd crush the olive in their finger, and they'd place a little bit of the olive in the baby's mouth. So the baby would taste food and then want to eat and they would desire to eat on their own. So what that scripture is saying actually is train up a child tasting the things of the Lord. What it's really saying is that verse in um, Psalms, I believe 34, eight, where it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. That's what that verse is telling us about. It's telling us that we need to have experience. We can't just have church. We have to have a true, authentic experience with God, even if it's in church or even if it's at, at home. Personally, my experience was in my bedroom alone when I was about four years old. And I was just, I, I was, a long story, I won't get into it, but I remember I was just singing this sweet little old song, Into My Heart into my heart come into my heart lord jesus and then i changed it to into my room and i'm telling you my room filled with the presence of god and i experienced a genuine taste of the holy spirit and when i got old i was tempted i did some things i shouldn't have done i kind of ran from god and i needed to figure myself out but i'm telling you what there was a tether that was in my spirit that would never let me go far enough because I'd look at myself in the mirror, whether I was drunk or being stupid and go, what are you doing? Because I knew the power of God. I knew he was real. Nobody talked me into it. So nobody can talk me out of it. And that is so important as, as parents that we get that because Barna did a study and they found that the statistics that they proved was that 
four out of five kids that are raised in church, when they turn 18, they leave the church and they don't ever come back. Or when they, when they leave the home, basically turn 18, go to college, leave the home, they leave and they don't come back. That's a very alarming statistic. And why don't they come back? If that scripture says that if you train them up, when they're old, they won't depart. Well, the reason is because if we're just having them go to church and we're just, come on, check in on Sunday, it's time to come on, kids. If they don't experience that God is real, or if you have to tell them God's real and they don't know it for themselves, if you have to talk them into it, someone else can talk them out of it. I agree. Um, what I was going to say was I have two stories coming off of that talk about experience. Uh, from my childhood, I remember my mom telling me to listen to Jesus in my heart. Uh, and so I... Uh, put my head underneath my chest and tried to look at my heart until he would start talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> but I still remember. So it's yeah. and uh, in, in experiences. Yeah, I agree. I think you need to get creative. I mean, this Holy Week was such an unusual Holy Week because we couldn't participate in any of the normal uh, festivities. So uh, I got to do, uh, I, I got creative. We did Holy Thursday and we did, I had the kids wash each other's feet. Because mm -hmm. uh, they're not going to forget physically having to wash each other's feet. You know, they may forget the verse that says wash each other's feet, but they're not going to forget washing each other's feet. Or we clipped the palm trees outside for Palm Sunday and went out the front door and did Hosanna on the highest. You know, like those, I agree with you, those are the experiences they're not going to forget. I know you have a lot of experience with music, Sharon, as well. In the kit. Tell me about that. Well, um, all of us can sing. There are a lot of people who will say, but I, I don't carry a tune. And I'll say, you know what, you can sing. I saw a video a few months back of a, a newborn baby, and it would just fuss and fuss, and the daddy would go in and uh, begin to sing over the baby. And every time he did, the baby would quiet down. <clears throat> and then when he would leave the room, the baby would start crying again. He'd come in, start singing over the baby, and the baby would just completely go out. And so music really does speak to a young child. And we started to talk about that the other day uh, with the writing of the song, um, Jesus Loves Me, This I Know, which was first written as a poem. Mm -hmm. um, and um, Anna uh, Braysward had written it in the um, uh, late 1800s. And then her sister Susan asked her, to write and uh, that it needed some more verses and needed music because she would take it and she would sing it to uh, a dying young child and uh, how meaningful that became in that little one's life. And that song has gone around the world over and over again. And uh, the, the truth of it is if you, if, if you have disturbance in your spirit, Sometime I'll just sit on the patio late at night and look at the skies and just begin to sing, yes, Jesus loves me. And why? Because the Bible tells me so. Right. And that's such sweet assurance. And it's so important for us to give our children and our children's children that assurance that Jesus does love them our whole life. I mean, you know, not everybody is as fortunate as what Jenny and I have been. 
with the generations that we have come from who, who believe in the things of the Lord. We've been blessed. But if you, if you don't have that, you can be the one who will start it. So your children will know how great is their God mm. in their life and the direction and the pathway that they should go. I agree. Music is so crucial to that part. Oh, process. Another thing that's so good too, I wanted to say too, Please. Is, 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 is laughter. Sometimes, well, you know, just sit around and you know, laugh with your kids. And it may be the, you know, it may seem to be so stupid, but it's happy times. And we definitely have had to know how to do that in these yeah. last months to just throw it off to the Lord and begin to laugh. And, and with that la laughing, laughing uh, brings on uh, thankfulness. And you yeah. realize how much we truly have to be thankful for. And that's why I think during these last months, we've been taught a lot. If we would just grab a hold of them and in, embrace it and share it. I have two stories with music. And one uh, is about my kids who sing Jesus Loves Me every single night now when they go to sleep. So now they have they know the words. But really, the other story I wanted to say, it goes back to Sharon and Jenny and, and, and Bob, is uh, I learned how the, the fruits of the Spirit from a song that I sang with Hugo and Michelle, the children's pastors at the Hawaii event. And that's still how I remember it. I have to sing the song. <laughs> so I still, that's how I still know it because of that song I learned all that long ago. <laughs> He's probably gonna go back in the archives and come up with it. <laughs> I, well, we'll see, I, I can sing it, I'm ready. Uh, well, we were just having too much fun and sharing too many insights to fit it all in one show. So next time on The Full Life, we'll continue our discussion on godly parenting. We'll talk about kids getting older and the challenges that that faces. We'll talk about wilderness periods in our child's lives. And Sharon will discuss the parental role in a blended family. All this and so much more next time on The Full Life. We'll see you then.